Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I am David James, your host, Bit About Crypto host, and also the job whisperer. And uh, once again, I'm with uh, Dave. What's your name? Dave Hampton? Robo recruiter. Robo recruiter, you are, right? right. I've, I've called you that for so long, you're starting to believe it. You know it's true, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, talk about how relentless you've been as a recruiter. What kind of positions have been vexing other people, and you've just been biting through that steel? Talk about uh, it. Well, we got chief technology officer, marketing managers. Uh, we we got uh, social media managers. Yeah. Before we talk about, since since you brought that topic up, so yeah, we are uh, David and I. We are the uh, founders of Blockchain Recruiters, and we recruit worldwide <coughs> in the blockchain space. So in uh, every uh, functional, technical, uh, artistic. Brainiac type. Yeah. Uh, technical, non-technical. Yeah, yeah, in the blockchain space. We aggregate. We have our people constantly looking uh, for people, titles, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram profiles, developer resumes, whatever you need. And we're, we're aggregating them in our database. And what, what makes us so successful is if you need somebody to appraise your NFT catalog, if you need someone to build your NFT catalog, if you need someone to actually uh, be compliance for your DeFi finance space, whatever, there's just so many. We have them. So what I'm going to say to you, so what, the, what this show is about is, is we talk to guests who literally have, uh, the background doesn't matter. We're hoping that the backrooms are unique because people are so inherently different. But what everybody has in, in common is an on-ramp and a gateway and an epiphany as it relates to blockchain and NFT space and crypto. And that's what we're going to do. So, but, but just to get some housekeeping out of the way, if you're looking for a job in the cryptocurrency space or the blockchain space or the NFT space, and you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at, uh, at the BTC recruiter on Twitter. All right. You can find me there anytime. But what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to tell you to send me a resume and you're going to send it to David J at blockchainrecruiters.net. Right. And if you don't want to send it to me, you can send it to my partner, Dave, D-A-V-E, at blockchainrecruiters.net. Right. And we'll get back to you. And more importantly, if you're listening to this podcast and you actually need people for the blockchain project that you're working, whatever it is, we got them or we know how to find them. If, if they exist on planet Earth, we got them in our box. Yep. And we will compel. them. That's right. We, we, we find them, we enroll them and then we compel them. Right, we 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 we, yep. we make them see the Find, light. Find, attract, enroll, compel. Yeah, on your behalf. So anyhow, so that's that's the word from our sponsors. And so hey, I wanted to <clears throat> before we get to our guests, I wanted to talk to you, Dave. Um, I want to talk about Blockbuster Video. Now, some people who are listening to this podcast probably won't even remember Blockbuster Video. I mean, maybe going there with their parents, right? But Blockbuster Video was getting. Just hammered, they were getting hammered, and what people what people think there's well, before a, they got hammered, they were the monopoly of video. they were the they were the monopoly. They were, they so were, just so you yeah. guys know, these knees. Well, think about a video. So so I had a friend rental. who actually had a uh, <clears throat> a coffee place, and you know they they'd bake cakes and stuff like that, <clears throat> but their money was coffee, right? From five a.m. to two two p.m. That was their money. Seventy percent of their business was coffee, and four doors down, guess who opened up? Starbucks. Starbucks says, we don't care. We'll lose money until, but we're going to take your, your market share until you go out of business, right? So mm -hmm. we can actually behave this way until you remain insolvent, right. until you become insolvent. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what Starbucks is. Star Starbucks goes around, they kick everybody's ass as it relates to coffee. 
right? Well, that's what Blockbuster Video was doing. Blockbuster Video didn't care if you had a video store and you'd been there 20 years. So they'll open up right across the street from you, right? right? Take five times as much uh, space, have all they could afford with their agreements with the, the studios to get all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what ended up happening. There is this story that Netflix says, hey, do you want to partner in Netflix and that Blockbuster kicked them out? Not true. That's not what uh, that might have been a true story, but that's not what their downfall was. What happened was <clears throat> they realized that they could no longer compete. They could no longer be competitive. Right. And so because there was new technology that was coming around. Right. Downloading, streaming and all this kind of stuff. And some genius, some genius literally said, hey, you know what? Let's make it so that there is no overdue fees for keeping the videos late. Oh, yeah. That's what they said. And that was their demise because now, you know, like, you know, Terminator 2 is the new thing. They get 100 copies, right? And people, if they're not compelled by a financial disincentive to behave a certain way, ergo speeding tickets, right? Yeah. Fines. Yeah, negative reinforcement. Yeah. It's called. Right. If, yeah. if they're, then there's, why should they do it? It's like like a hall monitor. Hey, slow down. And so that really was their demise. And the best idea that Blockbuster had was let's put candy. Let's put candy in the checkout aisle. That No, that was their best idea. You got some people that are keenly unaware of what's really happening within the, the metaverse of their, their sphere of business. Right? Mm-hmm. They're giving up the, 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 the incentive to bring movies back on time. Right to be more competitive, and they bring in candy. The reason I actually say that is because when uh, we talk about a deflationary situation, not deflationary, inflation, inflation, we've got all these problems. Inflation is going up. What's the government's best idea? Print, Print more, more money. money. Print more money. Print more right? money. Yeah. So anyhow, so a bit about crypto is for people yeah. who want to learn about crypto. Or, so or raise the interest rates. <clears throat> Right. When, well, when yeah. it comes. Well, raise or the in- decrease them right now and then and then raise them when uh, they stop printing money, right? That's yeah, there's no easy way out of this. But what bit about crypto is about, it's for people who actually don't know anything about crypto and don't want to look foolish asking. And it just took me years and years of paying attention to conversations. So we bring guests on from all walks of life. I mean, the, the tent is very, very big. And uh, what everybody has in common is they have a, a path to crypto. And um, this is a good way for you to learn. And it's a good hinter- uh, per- personal interest story. And um, we actually have some really, really cool guests. And today's guest uh, I met by no accident because it was uh, the universe was in line and we were supposed to meet. And his name is Larry Dvoskin. And Larry has a circuitous past that started as a rock and roller musician, musician creator. I bet, I bet you he's one degree of separation from any musician from you can, Mick Jagger or Mick Jagger or anyone probably Richards. Buddy Holly I mean he goes back no he he was a little young for Buddy Holly but Buddy I, Holly <laughs> yeah I, Elvis I, Presley yeah, yeah well, he probably did something with Elvis he's he probably, he probably you play with Elvis anyhow let's get him on to let him defend himself I'm, I'm out I'm out there uh, de- yeah. de- de- de-honoring him so anyhow so Larry Devoskin thank you so much welcome to a bit about crypto how are you I'm good. I just want to make sure you guys can hear me okay. 
What? We what? Can, we can indeed. What? Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. That's, All right. that's David's well, hard of hearing anyways. Uh, just so you know, Buddy Holly did die before I was born, but I'll, you know, <laughs> I, I, I believe in the Hindu philosophy. I have had many lives, so probably I was born long before he was born. <laughs> you help, I, I you help him with the overdub. I, I was probably like a, a ficus tree in a past life. Right. But I do want to point to two things. One, that Dave and I connected, and it was like, these are not the droids you're looking for. It was a cosmic alignment of the universe, the the force that is both dark and yeah. light. We we just we had such a good talk that I was like, do we have to just talk uh, on the podcast? Like, can we just hang out together online and talk? So I'm very honored to be on the show. I'm very honored to talk to you about crypto. I um. I'm suddenly like most people in it for a few years. So I'm like a PhD in blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, FBI's, um, CIA, CIA's metaverses, NRA, NSA, unicycles, universes, everything. Hold on a second. I know there's no adults currently supervising. So I'm just, since I'm the oldest teenager, here's what I'm going to say. Let's talk about you. And let's talk okay. about your formative years, like from zero to 12th grade. So let's let's hear about your socioeconomic. How did you occur? Yeah. So um, just, you know, I am kind of a get to the point person, but I will say that, you know, there's a great movie, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. And in it, he plows his field to build a baseball, uh, you know, diamonds. And everyone's like, are you out of your mind? Like literally in sixth grade. These kids came in my class. They sang Beatles songs. Every girl wanted to, like, kiss them. Every guy thought, like, that's really cool. I want to do that. And walking home that day, I heard the voice. And it wasn't build it, they will come. It was, if you want to do this, you will be successful at it. And I didn't know how or why, but but my I got a keyboard for Christmas that year. And, and I was in the band, even though I couldn't actually play the keyboard. I was the only guy with a keyboard. So everyone else was a drummer. So literally, by the time I graduated high school, the band that I had, uh, that I was in, got signed to RC Records, and I found myself in that sort of Cinderella-like well, Hold on situation. a second. Stop, stop for a second. So what part of the country did you grow up? Uh, New Jersey, northern New Jersey. Okay. So and I don't know why. It might be like Liverpool. Like, maybe the water is bad, the air is bad, <laughs> but, but it, it keeps people indoors. So out of... Of New Jersey, you have like like Patti Smith and John Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen and Debbie Harry and Blondie and 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 others in addition. So, well, were you part? I, I, I got to ask, were you part of that uh, down in the battery that CBGB crew? Yeah, I mean, I I look, I played at CBGBs. I was there the night Patti Smith got signed, and it rocked. Yeah, and I'm gonna tie in that moment to when we get to 2017, yeah. and I went to my first. Uh, Bitcoin and crypto conference. Not yet, not yet, but we're excited about it. So, so okay. you're 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 a rocker. So you are you in the band? Are you like a social outcast and you're just like just doing band things? And are, are, no, are, are, I'm I'm, I, I'm the keyboard player, and I learned something that I'm going to tell you a secret, Dave. I'm, wait, 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 wait. I'm David. He's Dave. Okay. Just so you know, that's yeah. how we know okay. the two of us apart. Okay. So it's okay. okay. You can call me either one. Okay. So, so D squared, I have a secret for you, which is like, <laughs> like anybody listening, if you have a band, own the PA. Like, like then everybody, no one can fire you because you own the PA. Like, <laughs> which, for, for, which stands for the 
place where the microphones go. Yeah, so right. public announcement. You know, yeah. I, I, it was you know uh, really you know. Um, Joseph <laughs> That's great. Joseph, Cam- Joseph Campbell always talks about that everybody has a myth. You know, like it could be Hercules or Cinderella or something. My myth is the ugly duckling and the swan because I went from Mister Nerdy, unpopular seventh and eighth grader to being a freshman in high school, playing in a band, and suddenly everyone coming to see me and being like, how did that <clears throat> guy get on stage and get all that attention? Right. So it's very similar to Silicon Valley in the 90s when suddenly the nerds took over and built things like Google or whatever you want to, MySpace, a big success. Yeah. So Friendster and, and shoes.zapata.com. So, so while you were in high school, <laughs> while you were in high school, were you a good student playing, or did you not I was care? A good student. I was a good student. I was, well, let me just explain something. At freshman year, I was my freshman class president and the pot dealer. Okay. So I appealed to very different focus groups. Okay. You know, like yeah. The got it. Football team wanted lights on the field. And then the stoners were like, hey, man, can I have a joint? You know, just hey. before homeroom. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I learned about the politics of, 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 identity and, and popularity very early on got it so so basically this is a very interesting so when you graduated high school you were already a a, 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 a for lack of a better word a successful band you know you had a band that it was yeah, yeah. yes yes yeah. And, and then it got signed by rc records so uh, how old were you when I, this happened 17 18, eight, okay. 17 18 yeah so suddenly you know limos pull up the neighbors are looking you landed. You end up at the Hyatt House. It's like in that movie, Almost Famous, like where like the rock. Like I think that Keith Richards threw a few TVs out the window. Well, hold on a second. Some, or, I, I I don't want to skip over this. Okay. So, okay. All right. So you're okay. an You want to? Yeah. Yeah. You no. Go back in time, like like we're dino- before the meteor hit. Now, now you're getting dinosaurs. it. Yeah. Now well, you're yeah, getting be, it. Yeah. Yeah. Way before Buddy Holly. No. But okay. when when I hear someone say that they were signed to RCA Records. Right, yeah. that's a big deal. In, in, in what it probably was nineteen seventy eight, right? I'm guessing, right? Nineteen seventy eight, right? Yeah, that yeah. that's. I want to hear about the before you go into crypto. I want to hear about your life on the road and where it took you, right? So, so, so remember, let's uh, keep it keep yeah, it from you my. Can't, you cannot skip over that part. That's what makes this a humanist okay. story. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I uh, got lucky. Like pre-internet, pre sixty thousand songs a day being uploaded to Spotify. Like you could look in the back of the Village Voice. It says like you know ACDC looking for drummer or something. Like and there's only three music ads, and one of them is like a big thing. So there was less competition at that time. And so I got lucky. I got signed. And the band is something that kind of faded into the background. It was a group called Fandango. They were kind of like an Eagles-type band and um, very, you know, five-part harmony, the et cetera, et cetera, a big local band that got signed. And it was a very exciting time. I can't describe to you what it's like to be, you know, uh, driving around, listening to a band in the car, like having a joint, you know, when you're in high school, and then suddenly, like, like you're standing around with them backstage, yeah, right? Hanging out. Yeah, I understand. And, I, and so I, I don't know how how much you want to get me to get into the stories, but there's some really cool stories. Uh, 
that involve illicit activities um, that uh, yeah no just you know. just just for like you know I, I got it like it's like who'd you play with you know who'd you warm yeah, up so, for so so one of the first warm ups was the Allman Brothers you okay know? and I grew up playing you know the Allman Brothers mm. and, and then our equipment so you know it's always a shit show pardon my French but this is a podcast like like we showed up at this huge armory where there's ten thousand people and and. Our equipment truck breaks down in the snow. So our first show with the Allman Brothers, we don't have any equipment. Now, if you know anything about opening acts, you never get to use the – you can't touch the headliner yeah. stuff. Yeah. You, you get like five seconds for a sound check. So our tour manager goes to the Allman Brothers, says, no opening act tonight. They say, no way. You have to. Great won't even – so they say, look, if you can find something for us that will remain unnameless – on this nice G-rated family show, um, and visit Greg. You can use our equipment. Oh, so, got it, got it, got so, it. So, so we're all ripping through broad cases, looking in crevices and old containers we haven't looked in to find this thing that Greg asked for. And I find a little bit of this magic powder, these magic beans, these magic beans, okay. like Jack and the Beanstalk right. that that Greg wants, and I. I'm a kid. I'm I'm 18. I, I mean, Greg Ullman is is on Mount Olympus. He's standing there yeah. for Deity and Hercules and and Zeus. You know, he's like Zeus. You know, he's, he's six foot four and has got big pork chop things. And this is before the plane crash, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I, he didn't die in a plane crash. Well, I, clearly, he's he still alive now. Okay, but yeah, go, you know, so, go on. So I found myself terrified. Like I was like a, a, a gazelle going up to a lion with a little bottle and spoon and i'm like please you know and then i find myself 10 minutes later up on stage on his riser because he's a keyboard player and the band that i i back is they're sort of like little ants below me and there's ten thousand people in the audience with cowboy hats and bottles of jack daniels in the air shouting rock and roll and i thought to myself what kind of crazy business did i get myself into this doesn't follow any other type of business sense. So that was like an introduction to rock and roll music. Wow. Okay. Was the money good too? Uh, well, no. I mean, the money is never good when you have a lot of hits and then you're manager and everybody rips you off. But then you do like what Billy Joel does. After everybody's taken everything, then you just play concerts at Madison Square Garden once a month where your minimum guarantee is a million dollars for two hours. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what you do. So, so, so that segued from playing in bands to me being a songwriter. Okay. So that's it. So, so you, you became like, okay, I'm a songwriter now and I'm not on, on the, on the band thing. When did you do that? What year? When did did that? So so that was about mid eighties, you know, and I had other bands. I had a band Zeno and we opened for Queen. That was another story. I mean, you have no idea what it's like. You met Freddie Mercury? Fan. Yes, not only met Freddie Mercury, but after Live Aid, like that famous yeah, concert, yeah. Which, which I was backstage. 85. At, you know, they, they had the backstage at Wembley Stadium like a, like a carnival. Like you'd go up and get cotton candy or popcorn or like burgers or drinks and this and that. And I had a pass from John Reed, the manager, who, you know, was was in the movie, but actually was a not much nicer guy than in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, oh. like a sweetheart. And mm-hmm. 
he uh, he stopped managing Queen because Elton John was actually a bigger star at the time. And Elton said, hey, like, stop spending so much time with those guys with long hair and, and pay attention to my career. But that's a different story. So after after Live Aid, they had a party on the rooftop of this sort of uh, Mark and Spencer, like some kind of big department store. And you'd go in the elevator and there was a woman in an old fashioned like tuxedo that was like a deco thing from like the 20s with a little hat. And as we were going up the elevator, we, we realized, oh, she's actually completely naked and her body is painted with body paint <laughs> and then you got up to the top and there were food i mean this is when rock and roll spent money like there were food stations everywhere lobsters and steaks and this and smoothies and drinks and champagne dumping so you know it, it, it's kind of a shock to the system when you turn around like the stones are standing over there on the right or members of the who are to your left you know and, and you kind of go in the bathroom to have a whiz and like Charlie Watts is next to you or something like like that. That does freak you out at like, first. Like, but then they just become people. Yeah. And then so everybody was jumping on stage. So it was at one point I jumped on stage to play keyboards and Freddie was singing and Brian was playing guitar. I think John Entwistle from The Who was playing bass. And I forget if if it was. So it was like one of those things like you're you're kind of pinching your it's like if you watch Star Wars and suddenly you were in the movie and you were being like running with. Princess but Leia. I was I was in the movie. You know. so. so, yeah. So so that's how we met those. Dave told me when we got on Dave one and Dave two, like told me, like, those are not the droids, Larry, that you're looking for. <laughs> so so that's uh, and so pretty much until like crypto existed. You were yeah. you, you you've made a life as or a, or a living vocationally as a songwriter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it, I'll tell you, there's a similarity between the crypto world and this mysterious universe known as the music business, because at the end of the day, it's about community and relationship and perception and which emotional and, core does it strike? Well, you know, I showed up for stuff. I, I went to CBGB's. I became part of the community there. I went to Max's Kansas City. I saw Blondie auditioning for their record company. There was a bar that no one has ever talked about called Tracks. I, when I was in high school, I went to this bar on the Upper West Side of New York, and Led Zeppelin walked in after playing Madison Square Garden, and and I, I I had a moment where my breath and heart stopped because they actually looked like Led Zeppelin. They were still in the flowing purple scarves and gowns and velvets and stuff. And so that's crazy stuff for a kid. You know, I, I don't know if there's a comparison now. Maybe it's, I don't know, going on a date with Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, if you're a techie. Or I'd go, but, I'd go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd explain you to know. my wife later. Yeah, so. but they're, they're picking up the tab though. A hundred percent. So I, I'm just going to get to this. So how did Bitcoin find you? Or sorry, how how did crypto find you? Crypto found me um, through a friend of mine who started having dinner parties after he found a white paper by two former Air Force scientists for a thing called Hashgraph. And I wasn't Hash, hash Hashgraft. Yeah. Hashgraft. Okay. Not, not with a T. Okay, like, graph. Like a... Graph. Like a graph. Okay. And now it's called Hedera Hashgraph. And it's a it's another type of blockchain. It, it's a different type. It's a public ledger, you know, uh, the terminology. So he started having these 
events at his bawling New York City apartment. And pretty renowned people started coming in. You know, the number two guy at Consensus or like Joe Lubin or the founder of GoFundMe and, and other people started gathering. And there were these very sort of either successful entrepreneurs, founders, and then and then me and everyone asked me like, so so what what startup do you work for? Are you a CTO? And I said, no, I actually I'm a songwriter. And everybody was more interested in hearing the Greg Allman or the Freddie Mercury story than talking about uh, building this public ledger. And then I watched mm. it go from zero to raising $120 million in 2017 off of an idea. And, and I thought, and then I also went to Consensus, <laughs> which was holding these big conferences at the time. And when I walked into the New York Hilton, the air was so hot. Like you could cut it with a knife. It felt like CBGBs. It felt dangerous, Dave one and Dave two. It felt sexy. <laughs> there was sex in the air. You could smell like, wow, we are just going to stick it to the man, just like the Ramones. We are going to revolutionize things and make things more equal. We're going to just grab a whole lot of money while we can and hopefully move to Bali so nobody can tax us. So there were all these vibes happening that really drew me in. Now, uh, in, in full transparency, you know, I've worked with people from David Bowie, MGMT, Sean Lennon, the Beach Boys, Sammy Hagar from Van Halen and, and all of the other bands he's been in, bad, many, many things. But if I go to a current record company and say these names, they go, but did you just write like like Nas X's new single or, or Cardi B? Uh, come back when you have. Whereas when I go to Silicon Valley and say, yeah, you know, I was at Live Aid, like, and then jammed with them afterward, like, it's like, you're an OG. So I found myself being asked to advise uh, blockchain startups that wanted to be Spotify, but on the blockchain. And they wanted to have somebody with experience and somebody with the social capital to make the calls to really help hook up the company. Because again, just like the current NFT community, it's not just about selling, you know, apes and bears and penguins and cats. It's about community. And if you don't really have the ear and the respect of that community, you're going to be waving from the back of the room saying, hey, I got the greatest NFT, the greatest song, the greatest blockchain, whatever. Nobody's going to listen. So what you're talking about, I'm thinking, is so you're talking about a Spotify on the blockchain. Boy, that would solve so many problems. But then again, yep. blockchain does solve any problems. I, it just, yes. I mean, the, the truth and the transparency about it, it it's amazing. So like, nap, if, 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 shall we say, um, how do I say this? If MP3, right, in the, uh, back in the... the 2000s. Yeah, but the MP, MP3, what, the, the Napster. Not, not the, not, I want to talk about Napster, but not in the way you're thinking. What was the one, the, the Sony, um, the little Sony, the little where you could just get music? Walkman? Before, after the Walkman. It was the smaller one. It didn't need you to put anything in it. But I'm saying that technology there, if we'd had blockchain, <clears throat> Napster would have never existed, right? Because everybody could have seen, this is how much you owe, this is the licensing, it makes absolute sense. So, are, are, is, so I'm just going to say this. So, you're the vice president of strategic projects with NFT Oasis, right? Is that part of creating a, a Spotify on the blockchain? Is that what that is? Very different thing. Okay. Was I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to take you there. Was that what you were talking yeah. about, or were you just talking conceptually? 
No, I was talking about earlier companies that I was advising. NFT Oasis is something that I, I will be honest with you. I've been in the entertainment business and now the tech business for a long time. And I actually signed a contract last month for my first full-time job. I, I have somehow <laughs> escaped work in the concept of like, you actually have a full-time job for the longest time because I'm an artist. So well, I've been, I was talking to your, I was, no, I was talking to your parents and they said after 42 yeah. years, our boy has grown yeah. up after yeah. 42 years. Yeah. He finally moved yeah, out. Finally, exactly. finally got a W2 job. Right. Yeah. So. so I finally have a W-2 job. And what NFT Oasis <laughs> is, since you asked, is that it's really a metaverse company. It's, it's really creating the first decentralized community where creators can come in and tell their stories. So what I what do what does that mean? Is that Imogen Heap, who was one of the first musicians to mint an NFT in 2015, came in and did a, a live concert and there were people on Oculus headsets, on NFT Oasis, like, like watching the concert. But then there were people just on their computers and laptops and desktops just like streaming it uh, across all the different platforms. But then they got to hang out with her. She came off the stage. It was somebody's birthday. You know, she got to sing happy birthday. Then we pivoted to doing art walks. And we've had countless artists from all over the world who come in and then they hang their art and they do group art shows. Then Tony Robbins, who everybody knows or if you don't know, is is considered by some people to be the number one business and life coach, saw the work, said, holy mackerel, like this is the most gorgeous looking thing. It doesn't look like a toy or a video game, came in to do a three-day business mastery course and not only brought his $100,000 a year business mastery students in, but then turned around and said, I like this so much, I want to invest in the company and join your board of directors and then bring in other investors because I think this is the future. So we're on the tip of what the cliched words of the bleeding edge of technology were. We're about to start a penthouse drop where first for our, our, we, we have 32 investors who put $4.5 million in and we're giving them these gorgeous penthouses, which is places they can hang out. So the NFT, I've seen these sites where you're like buying Rockefeller Center or like Hollywood Boulevard, but it's just like, like candy crush or something it's like this thing that you're buying that's on this thing and i don't know if it means anything you can't actually go there but we're actually we've created these 3d virtual worlds where you can go in and have meetings have hangouts have parties have concerts have talks and we're giving them out first to our investors and then we're just starting a penthouse campaign where for three ETH people can get an nft key and really own you know, the skyline of Los Angeles or dusk in Singapore or the beach in Tulum. So it's it's totally for an old dog like me, bleeding edge technology with like a thousand different learning curves at once. Wow. <laughs> you, uh, and that's that's what I say, too. Every time I get on the call, I'm like, wow, that this dude just said a lot, Dave, too. Uh, well, I'm Dave one. You're Dave two for one. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to play anymore. You, you can be Dave one and Dave two. I'm David. You know, you are like the Borg, like a collective mind, the Dave. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I would really have to downgrade. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd have to downgrade like my IQ a great like deal, that. right? You really think that? Yeah. I don't know. Name. He's got he's got like a 
like a bright red shirt. Looks like he's been working out. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Vermilion. He's he's a beast. This guy does okay. twelve. I'm, I'm going to put you on blast. This guy does twelve thousand. Uh, what is it? Uh, meters. Twelve thousand meters on the row machine every day as he listens to the Modern Investor, who, by the way, hasn't called me back to be on the podcast yet. Anyhow, I'm still plugging you, brother. Anyhow, so let's just talk about y- you, Larry. So you wake up every day, right? Let's talk about what yes. your day is like. You wake up sure. every day, and what do you think about? I mean, just tell me what well, you think about, what you're going to yeah. do, and yeah, how you occur. I- this is a great question. I wish every single podcast person would ask that question. Because the first thing I think about is, how can I be of service to other people today? How can I be the best version of myself? How can I make a difference in the lives of others? How can I take my own personal inventory and see like, if I've kind of overstepped the line or if I've stepped on someone's toes or ignored someone that causes discomfort, just kind of cleaning up my side of the street. So today uh, I got up pretty early and even though it was raining, I climbed up a large cliff along what's called the Palisades, which is the cliffs uh, opposite of New York City, because tomorrow, and I'm wearing a shirt that has the Empire State Building on it, I'm joining an elite group of global runners who are running up the stairs of the Empire State Building for charity. Are you allowed to talk about uh, who's in that population, or are we going to keep that yeah, anonymous? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a great story if I could tell the story. No, please tell, is, it. tell it. So oh. I'm watching HBO about this woman who started Theranos. It's this company that raised $900 million. Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, men- we all yeah, know Elizabeth who she Holmes. is. Elizabeth Holmes. So, yeah. so, it, so it turned out that they the machine didn't work, but she didn't tell people, and it, it, it yeah. hurt a lot of people. She, she's now known as a fraud. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so people thought she was the new Steve Jobs, but she turned out to be a scam. So in the middle of all this, this crazy guy comes on. He's wearing a Bitcoin tie. He's this giant person, and he's like, yeah, my daughter went to school with Elizabeth. She came for dinner. I know the parents. I gave her the first million. I'd invest in a girl with a bicycle or two guys with a dog. I don't know. And I thought, who the F is this guy? So I look him up, and he has a book, How to Be a Startup Hero. So I buy the book. There's a 100 things he wants to do in life, his bucket list. And in his bucket list, the things that mere mortals wouldn't be able to do, like buy your own private island. It's like, check. Last thing on the the list was climb the stairs of the Empire Staple. So I thought to myself, I go to Burning Man with the guy who owns the Empire State Building. And last time I saw him, we were on the back of a giant flaming duck art car with laser lights dancing to techno music at three in the morning. Hold on a second. Wait, the guy who owns you know the guy who owns owns yeah. the empire state owns. building owns? owns yeah as yeah, in like, not the guy who's on the sports team but the guy who owns the sports owns, team who owns, who owns the empire owns okay okay go on right, we just, just, just somebody, clarify that. someone had to check it the days had to clarify yeah. that <laughs> well and and if i could even there's a nuance that like the way i met him is is like we were having a fire pit in our camp and like some guy in, in a like a flannel shirt who looked like he should be driving a truck for Walmart, like shows up and starts carrying firewood with me saying, hey, how you doing? What's your name? And I didn't realize who he was until I did a GoFundMe for some charity and he threw like five grand in. I'm like, everyone else threw like five dollars in. And I was like, who the <laughs> hell is this guy? And then I look him up. I'm like, oh. Oh, because, you know, I'm a New Yorker. Like, like when you look up in New York, you see the sky and then the Empire State Building, at least since 9-11. So 
I uh, messaged him like an email and said, there's this crazy guy. I don't know what he's thinking, but he wants to climb the stairs. And, and my friend wrote right back and said, wow, like, like Tim Draper, he's, he's a legend. Like if I could have coffee with him, like we'll, we'll figure out a way it's, it's, we're, you know, we'll figure out a way. And so I, I, I did what I'll tell you that Dave wanted to like, like my superhero <laughs> power is being the bridge. I connect this side with that side that normally would never connect. And then that is how I am making a difference in the lives of others is not just hmm. thinking of what's good for Larry, but what's good for everyone. And if the rest of the world did that, like, I don't know, maybe our politics would be a little less messy or something. So they became fast friends. And then I became really fast friends with Tim Draper. He's like this really childlike person who just happened to be one of the first investors in Hotmail, Skype, Tesla, Coinbase, Twitch, DocuSign, and a ginormous evangelist for Bitcoin. Like, like, like literally Bitcoin is, is, if it's not stamped on his forehead, it's on his tie or on his socks. I actually have Bitcoin socks from, from Tim Draper. So yeah, we, be, we became fast friends. So tonight I'm meeting his entire team. <laughs> Tomorrow, 15 people are climbing the Empire State Building stairs, but there is breaking news, and I am allowed to say this because I asked permission this morning. On Friday, we got an email that double-vaxxed Tim Draper at home to be responsible, did an at-home COVID test, and tested positive for COVID. So... I can't tell you what a punch in the stomach that was. Oh, so talking about so the, the walk's the not happening. No, Ooh. the walk is hot. Tim Draper's walk up the Empire State Building. <laughs> His life is so weird. It's happening without him. It's happening with Team Draper East Coast versus Team Draper West Coast with no Team Draper. Got it. Mwah. Wow. If I if I had like a little blanket, I'd be sucking my thumb right now, crying. Like Linus. Yeah. Like Linus. Well, I, I, it's probably, uh, it's probably, are, are you going to be, at the, uh, wow, I don't even know how to respond to that. Because, you know, you, you and I have been talking about well, that. Well, is, is this like an inaugural or is it going to be like an annual one? I mean. No, it's, it's, an, it's an annual run up that once oh, so, a year. Oh. So he can do it next year. Once a year. But we were supposed to do it. So he's like older now. Like he was 61 at the time we talked about this. And he probably wrote that book when he was 51. But then when he was 62, last May or whatever it was, last October, they canceled it because of COVID. So now he's 63. Oh, so he's so now, two years removed from it being able to do it. From so, yeah. And, gotcha. And so, it, and, you know, we were going to do a big press story. We had a, like, you know, it's it's. It's uh, it's very strange. Well, when you, so I I have to entertain fifteen venture capitalists at dinner tonight and tomorrow. They're going to be fine when he when he does it. I'll walk yeah. up with you guys. Yeah, I'll absolutely. do it, I'll do it, and I'll come to absolutely. dinner with you guys too. No, no, no hey, you want to know something? And I will be at the bottom rooting for him. And then I'll take the elevator yeah. all the way to the top. Yeah, and I'll of be course he'll take the, the elevator. And, and when he gets to the, <laughs> yes. and when and he then gets, he'll be like, I won. No, no, when he gets to the top, I'm going to go like this. I'm going to come close. I'm going to say, put both of us on there, Travis. But I'm going to say, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we, David, yeah. we did it. Yeah. We climbed the Empire yep. State Building. Yeah. Classic yeah. So, Dave so, 2 fashion. Yeah, so to dial back in is that <laughs> I ran up the Palisades, which is a big cliff and ran down again. 
Then I had a call with my company, NFT Oasis, uh, that we have a weekly stand-up and we're adding people to our team. We're doing something with the South Korean government, like a metaverse concert. We're also rolling out this, this penthouse campaign. We're actually selling people a gorgeously orchestrated metaverse experience. Then I had talks with my lawyer because I myself am doing some really special NFTs with some renowned music artists who have never done NFTs before, some some influencer celebrity types that, that I've just worked with for years, so I own music. And then uh, came into New York City to, to get going with this uh, Draper extravaganza minus Draper. Yeah, heartbreaking, well, right? So let me ask you something. I mean, this is, this is uh, directly related to what we do. So I'm just out of curiosity, where are you finding the people to add to your team? Oh well, it's his team. That, in this particular run, it's it's no 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 no, no 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 for for your NFT oh. Oasis. Oh well, we're 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 looking, so we're gonna like tap you guys because we're 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 expanding pretty rapidly. So if anyone who is, you know, we're a team of eight right now, so we're nimble because we're we're pre. We just did like a a very small seed round, but in the next few months, we're going to be hiring all kinds of people. Yeah, well, the deal is. The answer is no, unless you get Dave to walk those stairs. I'm being serious. Yeah. He's the kind of animal that will do that. You got to give credit. I'm going to walk too. the stairs. It's, that's that's yeah. a, that's a given. So I mean, I'm yeah, doing it. I'm absolutely. doing it next year. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so we are actually going to be probably. You know, it's probably a little early because we're kind of trying to behave like a proper startup. In other words, unlike Elizabeth Holmes, who oh, be fiscally responsible. Kind of uh, who hired who hired 800 people for a startup for a machine that wasn't working we actually have eight people for a machine that's working so well <laughs> that we have a hard time i feel like when clubhouse in february we we're we're getting calls from people who don't return my calls when i call them about anything else and instead they're they're banging on the door because everybody wants to have this this sort of what what the cliche uh, these are all cliche words the genesis of the the metaverse you want to be in first while it like i would have liked to have bought a, an ape it could have been bored it could have been excited it could have been tiltilated it could have been on a yacht it could have had a funny pirate hat i would have liked to have done that in february but now it's too late so everybody has that mentality of we want to get in enough to oasis has some renowned people that have been in it and that keep coming into it and so we're we're in a very good position and what it does and and for most of the people listening i'm sure you know this is that before nfts crypto was was meant to be a, a currency that takes over fiat currency but for the most part so far it's been like like a way to make money like i buy bitcoin it goes up i sell it it goes down i buy more blah 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 well but hold on nfts Go on. With go, go NFTs, on. with NFTs, you're actually using crypto like to buy stuff. Yeah, but just so, so for my audience, I just want to clarify something. So Bitcoin, right, is the largest financial network in the world. It is. Yes. And, and yes. it's more it's stronger than Visa. It's stronger than, than any type of bank. It is. And it is a, a proof of work. Right. And the, the Ethereum blockchain, right, is is for smart contracts. Right. And that enables a whole bunch of things. Right. If this, then that. And that's the whole NFT platform. So it, I just, uh, you know, the, the whole the whole blockchain space is so new that people sometimes 
uh, converge these two things. And I, I understand what you're saying that because really what gets people into crypto, the first thing is the money. 100%. I came for the greed and stayed for the ideology. I 100%. I did. And, 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 and I'm so sorry for saying that because I'm actually hearing a knock at the door and I look through the people and it's the Bitcoin police. They've come to say you've misrepresented us. We are the <laughs> largest financial network in the world, bigger than Visa, bigger than MasterCard. And I Sounds really spoke, cartelish. And, and, and this is my first offense, so they've just given me a citation. No, 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 no. It's going to cost you one Bitcoin. It, it just so happens yeah. it's going to be to my wallet. What are the odds? Yeah. Okay. What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the I odds? I mean, that, I, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. I'll, perfect give you, sense. I'll give you his key, his address, all right? <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you like tim's like anyway that's yeah yeah no, i'll take i'll take tim's wallet address if you could if you could give me tim draper's backup seed then you know i'm i'm willing to look the other way on that the coin that you okay. anyhow okay. larry yep. what, so uh why don't you prognosticate for me what's what what are we going to be talking about what are we as a consciousness society what are we going to talking about in two years which is going to be like 50 years at the rapid pace of of the acceleration yeah what are yeah. we going to be talking what's going to be happening with nfts blockchain, well, crypto in two years? I really think that right now, looking around the corner, that there are companies that are working on solutions with climate change in the NFT, blockchain, and metaverse sphere, which sounds really nebulous, but because there's money and because there's a very smart people on a global scale that are working in tandem with each other rather than in competition with each other, that there are going to be some solutions to our larger problems. I also really believe that NFTs are a revolution for artists. And, you know, I have a friend of mine to shamelessly yet again name drop. Um, well, in fact, I won't mention his name. No, He's no, just, shameless. No, you know, now you got to mention it. Shameless is yeah. in. Uh, it's, the cool, shameless. it's the coolest yeah. thing. So, shameless. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Keith... Keith Grossman, Keith Grossman, president of Time magazine, is running a ship that started sailing in 1923. It's literally about to hit its 100th birthday. He right away saw the future and started doing collaborations with NFT artists. And so he started doing Time Cats, and then he started doing Time Pieces, and he's doing podcasts with Beeples and other people who are suddenly from the fringe that honestly just only a small population know about who beeples are you know the eight billion of us uh suddenly like, it's been featured through time magazine so so that as a corporate leader of a fortune 500 company that's part of time warner um sets a, a kind of precedent for other corporate leaders to like we can't just let it be the, the the barbarians at the gate that that get a lot of money and then the shit doesn't work or some guy like runs off to Bali. Like it's going mainstream. And I, I see artists like myself, you know, what the pandemic did for me is it created an empty space, like a womb uh, where something new can be born. And because I couldn't have my studio open in New York City. I, I moved a little bit outside of New York City. And then I just started looking on hard drives. And I thought, oh, I have this book about songwriting that I didn't release. And I put it out on Amazon and I made it a benefit in the presale for the World, World Central Kitchen. They were feeding the doctors, nurses at the time. 
And it debuted at number one on the Amazon Books new releases for songwriting and lyrics. And then I had a song that I wrote years ago that's like a Sgt. Pepper song. And I put it out almost exactly a year ago. And mm-hmm. it charted, like, on the charts. Like, like I couldn't believe it. It got tens of thousands of views. It's uh, The album, my album's called Life is Strange. The single's called Life is Strange. It's this Salvador Dali-like thing. So things that I just had in my pocket, <laughs> things that I, I mean, I really mean it because the chorus goes, I feel like I'm living in a Salvador Dali painting. And that kind of summed up 2020 with the <laughs> election yeah, with yeah. in America and, and you know, the George, pandemic. George Floyd, the pandemic. And, yeah. I mean, I was oh like, OK, like at least Salvador Dali makes sense to me. This reality stuff is dangerous. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like having to go outside just to change your mind. It was really, exactly. really, really crazy, bad. crazy yeah. stuff. So, so I found myself having success. So, I really believe that, especially NFTs, like all things, like the internet, that there are winners and losers. Like all startups, there's a big failure rate. Like all people who put music up on Spotify and only a small percentage become successful. There are going to be winners that emerge from this thing. But the idea that I could sell my content, that I could connect a community, and I want to stress that community thing because the blockchain and crypto world really is a tight-knit community. And I am very fortunate because I'm not in it to be welcomed into it. You know, all these crazy stories about Queen and the Owen brothers were like my key my yeah. secret well, hold on key. i'm gonna i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna pivot here so to our listeners right larry's making a great point right <clears throat> we have this this new sphere of consciousness right that's blockchain which then becomes cryptocurrency or becomes smart contracts or becomes nfts and whatever layers of consciousness that are coming next that we can't see Right, but it's divinely already written, and what he shows is that look, I just have this experience and this consciousness, and I just floated to it, right? Because it was just the natural way the water in the stream was moving. And what I'm saying to all my listeners here, if you have a passion for this new space, for crypto, for blockchain, for uh, NFTs, for whatever it is, all right, we can repurpose you with your attitude and whatever background you have. You, you see here from this demonstration, here's a musician and a song writer, which when you actually talk about salient you know, corporate abilities, it's quite limited unless you're like writing jingles for Madison Avenue, right? But you found he just, he just let, left it open to consciousness, and now here he is, right? And he, he has found a place, right, as the, the, the VP of Oasis NFTs. And that's what's happening. And so I want, if you are on the fence about what you're doing and you want to find a job, then you contact us, right? And you contact me, David J at blockchainrecruiters.net or Dave, not Dave one, just D-A-V-E, right? <laughs> <laughs> at blockchainrecruiters.net. And remember, it's got to be the net. If it's not the net, what, David? You're not going to get hold of us. That's right. You're not going to be caught on our net. Yeah, you didn't sell the line. Anyhow, um, Larry. Yes. Thank you so much. I could, we could have gone like we could do a whole three part series with you. I mean, 
It's it, 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 yeah. Well, let's do that, and and I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a wrap up of what it's like after NFT NYC, for instance, because I'll be on the ground hey, there. He and should I, be with uh, I, yeah uh, yeah. Well, it, that will have already happened by the time. Yeah, but you need to you need to hook up with our uh, John Orlando, who we got him the job as the CEO yeah, our of producer. Maxim NFTs. Right, you saw. Absolutely, I, I, I love I, to. Well, his, his dad was Tony Orlando, right? Yes, so, that's right. Right, so I'm. Tie I'm so, a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. tree. Yeah, you're right. Love Tony Orlando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you'll love John Orlando even more because he's the newer, improved version. Anyhow, <laughs> um, so with that, I'll, I'll put you guys together. And by the time you're hearing about this, our audience that the show will have already passed. But anyhow, uh, Larry, I can't thank you enough. Is there anything you want? One last shout out you want to get? How people can find you or find about yeah, your project? Well, yeah, I just want to shout out that that if you go to NFT Oasis, exactly how it sounds. Dot co as in catorange.com, C-O, you'll find videos, you'll find, you'll find the Imogen Heap thing, you'll find, like, we're doing a space thing with all of the astronauts that have been in space. We're doing, mm. like, K-pop stars. We're doing all kinds of art walks. We just had an African art walk where, where one of the people came in who's from, like, one of the countries in Africa, and, and somebody saw it, and suddenly they're making lots of money uh, and paying their bills and feeding their family just from being in an art walk on an FT Oasis. So it's, it's just the beginning of a very exciting yellow brick road. And I want to thank you, both of you, uh, for giving me the opportunity to speak. And as, as you just said beforehand, it, it's really a community. So even being on here today, this is part of the community building is making friends and, and we don't see what's around the corner, but in my case, instead of making things happen, I've been letting things happen. I've been showing up with an attitude of how can I help when I'm suddenly I'll tell you I'll tell you one little like parting gift here is that, you know, my Twitter, I had to just sort of ignore for the longest time after 2020 because it was so full of division and trolling and hate and mudslinging. And suddenly the NFT movement comes along and everyone is like, Every day saying good morning, good night. Uh, renowned people who you know are legit are saying, hey, I just had a good day in my business. Like, everybody send me the names of some emerging NFT artists who need support. I'm going to go buy their NFTs. And you're like, what's going on here? Like, is this the Internet? Like, people being nice to each other, people being supportive, somebody doing a drop. I'll, I'll take all of my influencers that I follow on, on Twitter and I'll tell each of them, hey, so-and-so is doing a drop, like go to this particular website like, and, and support them. And so right now it's Woodstock 69 and, you know, it's this warm, loving blanket of people who are supporting one another. And that is a juicy, delicious place to step into. And I try to step into it, not with what I can take out of it, but what I can put into it. And I encourage you to consider that as your call to action. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to, I'm just, lovely. we're going to end with that. Travis, my engineer. Thank you so much. Once again, this week. No problem. Thank you. Dave Hampton, robo recruiter. Thanks again for the support. Dave one and two. And Eternally for the grateful. stairs. And remember everybody, I'm the job whisperer. And remember, I'm David James. Remember, can't whisper. <laughs>